So one of the things I do when I'm really craving sugar, well, first of all, if I'm before my period, I'll just eat it. But I try to choose something I really enjoy and it has some kind yes. of relative healthy antioxidant properties like dark chocolate. Right. I mentioned that before. And then I will try to always have a meal first because perhaps I'm hungry, you know? Hi, I'm Mary Wong. And I'm Dr. Tanya Wild. We're wellness experts, fertility strategists, and moms who overcame infertility infusing science and all things natural. We are on a mission to boost your mood, your bod, and your inner mama spirit as you navigate this thing called life. From fertility to pregnancy and mamahood through menopause. Think of us as your own personal fertility squad as you make, grow, birth, and raise your baby. Fasten your seatbelts, lean lean in, in, and get ready to learn and be encouraged. This is my Fertology Podcast. So today we're going to talk about sugar, and here's why. So we need to find out our why. We went through a nice podcast the other day on why, finding your why, finding our why. And for us, type 2 diabetes was really relevant to our why. And the reason was because... um, What's in our family history? Right. Family history, personal history. I have polycystic ovary syndrome, which is a condition driven by insulin resistance. And sugar causes type 2 diabetes. And insulin resistance leads to type 2 diabetes. So by us being aware and by you being aware of sugar, if you have polycystic ovary syndrome or a risk, a family uh, or a personal risk for type 2 diabetes understanding where sugar is in our foods because it's everywhere. It is. And, you know, the thing is that, too, like you may not even have a family history of diabetes, yet we know Mm -hmm. in Canada, at least, one in three are pre-diabetic. Correct. That's insane. Yeah. And more relevant to even today. So if you are not motivated, perhaps by personal history or family history of type 2 diabetes, these are interesting statistics. So apparently 40% of deaths related to COVID were in people who have diabetes. That's right. And which which is, wow. Right? Yeah, it's so prevalent. So it's not just about diabetes. It's like totally current Mm -hmm. in our state of the world. And, you know, everyone's fearing about diabetes. Sorry, not diabetes, the COVID virus. They should be. be. (laughs) Right, both. Right. You're right. You're right. But but the point is, okay, Mm -hmm. and actually, let's not cause more alarm. So here's the thing about diabetes it's not like your risk your um your ability to contract the covid virus is not increased however if you do contract the covid virus the risk of other health consequences is definitely increased right and it does suppress your immune system if you have diabetes so in a sense it does risk yeah it increases your complications and deaths associated with it because if yes. 40% of people with um you know dying from covid have diabetes then clearly it's an indication and the reason for that is the suppressed immune system that comes yes. along with diabetes yes. as a condition so understanding there's a global pandemic but there's also a glo- of of covid but then there's a global epidemic, epidemic. Yeah. Of, of diabetes that's right and so again not to raise more fear if if you are actually practicing safe hygiene hand mm-hmm. washing wearing the mask and um, what else? Changing your clothes even when you get home from wherever you're going. Yeah, like I think the top three is wear a mask, space yourself, 
appropriately and wash hands and then don't go overboard. But understanding that nourishing yourself with healthy food can also support your immune system and help you stay low risk for type 2 diabetes. Yes, exactly. So I think that it's really important. It's relevant. It's our why, personal, family. And then perhaps for you, if you don't have a personal and family history, it may be relevant to you just to make a be a part of that global shift to reduce risk for diabetes. Because if one in three Canadians have prediabetes, you may be one of those three and just don't know it. So let's talk about how do we even know our risk associated with type 2 diabetes, right? How do we even know? So we can look at waist circumference. So for women, having a waist circumference less than 35 inches is an indication that we are low risk for insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. And for men, less than 40 inches. So then when we talk about waist circumference, so if you look at a woman or a man, when they gain weight, where do they store their fat? Right. So if they are storing their fat around the middle, that probably means they have a strong family history or personal history perhaps of insulin uh, imbalances and insulin resistance. Yes, that mm-hmm. predisposition. Yes, So that's, that's a right. first place to look. Yes. And you, you would know that about yourself, right? Yes. It's like, oh, the first place I gained my weight. And it is for me. It would be yeah. straight into Even the Even if you're slim, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the second way is on a annual physical exam. Perhaps the doctor calls for a fasting blood sugar. But interesting is that if you, even if you're in the prediabetes phase, your fasting blood sugar might look perfect because your insulin is being pumped out in big ways to compensate. So you're in the high fasting insulin phase, and we don't often test for fasting insulin. Um, A nicer, bigger uh, look at uh, looking at risk for type 2 diabetes is using the glycated hemoglobin test, which is a range, just like the fasting blood sugar, but slightly different. And the HbA1c test is something that you can ask your family doctor to run. They will often look at it every five years until you're about 50 years old, and then they will screen you for risk factors and then do it every three years. So it's not something that's standard, but you can ask for it and you can pay for it privately through a naturopathic doctor. And you can also run it in the U.S. if you're in the U.S. by through private healthcare and request it. And you're trying to get under 5.5 to be not in the prediabetes category. Right. And, you know, why would that be important to get the test done? Because then it gives you motivation. If you're between 5.5 and 6.5, it kind of helps you drive your why to eat healthier and to find where sugar is, avoid it, and look at improving your risk. And so if we're going to pop into the mindset around this. So let's say you get it done and it is on the higher side. So are we in a place of, oh my gosh, this is horrible and this is me, woe is me? It's like, no, let that be your guiding force, your baseline, Mm -hmm. because the great news is that it can be changed. Mm -hmm. It's not like a death sentence, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if it's on the high side, you can go, okay, here I am. This is where I'm at. And now I can look at tools and strategies and- uh, let's make it go down. Yeah, right? let's dive Somehow. in. Let's teach. Yes, yes. let's yes. teach. Let's look okay. at some lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> so you got lucky. You You're watching this today. And so we're going to educate you. Where do you find sugar? Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it's obvious. I think a lot of us and you know that lucky charms are loaded with sugar. And what's really helpful is educating yourself so you can then educate your children if you have. And three quarter cups of Lucky Charms has about, on the label, nine grams of sugar. 
And more important is look at the ingredient list. If you're in looking at the ingredients and it's in the top three, if you find sugar in the top three, that is a good indication there is probably too much sugar. And then understanding this is that the World Health Organization suggests no more than 15, one, five grams of sugar per day for children. For chil- children. So That's like them, three this is- teaspoons. Yeah. Right. So, so Mary oh measured that out for us so you could get a visual, <laughs> literally three teaspoons of sugar. Yes. And if you're having three quarter cup of a bowl of Lucky Charms, you already got to almost all of that. And then a juice well, box, for example, is 15 grams. Well, I mean, here's the reality too, right? Like I showed you the portion size, mm-hmm. but who is actually having their suggested portion size? Right. Yes, right. The Lucky Charms taste so good. Why would you have only kids will like cup? stuff it in their mouth, right? Yes. Before they even get to the bowl. Never That's mind, right? right? They're yeah. like taking it straight out of the box. You don't even know how much you're having. No, you're consuming. And this is so, for the adult consumption, mm-hmm. right? 25, Twenty-five grams. So no more than twenty-five grams or five teaspoons of sugar per day, and that's outside of fruit. So we don't count fruit. But another example would be a made good bar. As an example, we just happened to grab this from the cupboard, and it has. Again, the second ingredient is agave nectar, which we might not recognize as a sugar. We might think, oh, it's something like a natural healthy sugar alternative. But sugar is sugar in our body. It reacts the same. And this has about six grams per bar. And then going back to what Mary says is, are you full with just one bar? Maybe you are. Satiated. Or Or satiated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Right. And then this is a rice crispy square, right? So they're kind of tiny. Mm-hmm. So I can see people grabbing more than one. Right. Especially when you have a sugar addiction, which we can <laughs> kind of guide you out of. And one little bar is eight grams. So yeah, and that's tiny. So eight grams of sugar. So really important to educate your kids. And it's so cute because honestly, you know, I'm not trying to be uh, too strict or too harsh. This is such an important topic. Um, with children, but I have educated and we work on educating our, our children, my husband and I, and our daughter at two years old was in Canadian Tire and she's so cute. And she's like, mommy, look at this. And I'm like, what? And she's like, it's it jube jubes. And I said, okay, tell me about jube jubes. Jube jubes are bad for your teeth. <laughs> she said, and really I was like, wow, great at two. that's awesome. I know. Yeah. So I thought that was an easy way to introduce it. But then I also educate our son and uh, on the um, actual numbers, because when he picks up a bar, like when we're in a grocery store and you're on the way out, there are chocolate bars everywhere. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you go to the store hungry or if you don't feed your kids and they're looking and they're like, mommy, mommy, can I have this? Right. And, yeah. Because they so, want their snack. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the first place you want to go. Something that's so easy, pre-packaged, so Mm -hmm. you can just grab it and go. But if you show them and you say, look, they can read. It's teaching them math and it's also teaching them numbers. And so my son now picks up a bar and says, mommy, this has 20 grams of sugar. That's too much. And he puts it back down, which is honestly, I had no idea that that what kind of impact you can have. That's amazing. Something so so small. Well, so here's the deal, guys. I know most people are not like Dr. (laughs) Tanya here. (laughs) My kid is not counting. So I'm just going to get real (laughs) Yes, no, but it's a little tool that you can all use. No, it's awesome. So we can can teach Mm -hmm. them that. Mm -hmm. And here's another challenge. So for those of you who have other people in your lives, like your parents or, you know, cousins and neighbors, and what do they do? They show their love through like baked goods and it's typically sugar. Or when they come over to your home, Mm -hmm. well, in the times and when they can. So, you know, they're bringing typically sugar. Right. So, you know, how do we deal with that? Do we, can, can we ask them and say, hey, can you just bring some fruit or 
just don't bring anything at all in your cooking, right? Yeah. Or just maybe introducing the aspect or concept as you go, accepting it, being grateful. Like you said, just show your gratitude, enjoy if that's going to be something that you want to treat yourself with. So for me, I love dark chocolate. If somebody brought me dark chocolate, then I would choose to eat that. Like you had asked me, you said, you know, if a patient brings you something that perhaps, you know, is a treat, would you deny that? And I said, I had to really think about this because mm-hmm. um, it's true. People share their love in that way. Totally. So it's, it's you don't want to be rejecting and rude and saying, I don't eat that. Yeah. But because how will that make them feel? Of right? Of course. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so thankfully, patients know that I'm crazy <laughs> and teach my kids about <laughs> labels and so they don't bring but they'll they'll bring little other alternatives like which is so sweet like flowers or if they do bring something I will choose and they and they know they're like you know Dr. T this is for you you can pass it on if you want right. but, but they still and they know and it's okay um if it's somebody somebody made something homemade though honestly I would probably enjoy a couple bites oh absolutely and just you know you know embrace it and in that moment and just as you do use your five senses just smell it taste it enjoy it you know right and and you know in Chinese medicine we we talk about healing mind body and soul together right so in how you eat that's one thing, but how you be as you eat is mm-hmm. so, so important. So mm-hmm. as you're saying, you know, to smell it, to really chew and get its flavor, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and with gratitude, in yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah. Because and, there is an impact on your psyche. And we often eat um, a lot of unhealthy foods with people in gra- group gatherings. You don't want to isolate yourself. So we'll talk about that all in our how series, even just sh- shifting your mindset just a cute little story, if we have time. Yes, we do a little story. <laughs> um, when I was younger, and the reason I think I, w- I am so wired this way is my mother raised us not eating sugar and teaching us the same way as she we teach our children. So she would bring us to the health food store and we would choose um, our favorite treat, but they were often sugar-free little gummies. And even they existed back then. I don't know how she knew about these things. But she also had chocolate chips in the house. And so because sugar is so addictive, I would sneak them. So I was very sneaky even from a young age. I sneaked the little chocolate chips. Didn't want to get in trouble. Always wanted to please. So I grabbed (laughs) chocolate chips a little bit by a bit. But I guess the bag just started to, you know, get lower and lower. And then... Doesn't fool mama. "Mm -mm." Mm -mm. No (laughs) way. They do have bad eyes in the back (laughs) of their head. And so then she left a whole bowl of chocolate chips on the dinner table for me for dinner. And and I said, well, where's my dinner, mama? As everybody else's plates were sitting there filled with food. And I said... Where's my dinner? She said, that's your dinner. You've been enjoying the chocolate chips, Tanya. And I said, oh, but I want dinner. And so, and then I cried and she said, it's okay. You can have your chocolate chips, but you can't take them. You can steal them. We can enjoy them together. So it wasn't like she was restrictive. She just wanted to make sure that I wasn't stealing them, but it taught me a lesson that with my children, I don't want to be as restrictive. So although I educate, I also want them to know that we can enjoy it together. Mm -hmm. So it is finding that balance. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So for me, there was no real restriction. But quite frankly, in an Asian culture, there was not as much focus on like dessert as a treat after mm-hmm. dinner. We would have uh, oranges, which, yes. by the oh, way, is actually good for digestion. It is. And yeah. y- yet, you know, having the um, access to more Western modernized food now, and we see this in China, there's a higher prevalence of diabetes as well because. Now there's this influx of these overly processed foods. Western foods. Western foods, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 
Which you revere. China, like, India. Yeah. The top three locations, right? China, well, India. It, so it's China, mm-hmm. India, then the U.S. Now, that For type is, 2 diabetes. Yes, but that's sheer numbers. So right. if we're talking population base, mm. it's not, right. right? Because it's a 1.4 billion right. in China. Yeah. Right? So really, I would think the U.S. then would be yes, there. Yes, correct. Right? I agree. But yes. again, globally, it's just an epidemic, as yeah. we were talking about. So diabetes or no diabetes, mm-hmm. we're just having huge um it there's it's just everywhere right that's the problem so sugar is everywhere it's not just in cereal boxes and bars it's even understanding that sugar um foods carry something called the glycemic index and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the um how so how much our uh, you know glycemic index there is in foods and just understanding even just the concept that white bread and white rice, that turns to sugar very quickly in our body and acts as sugar. And we think we're eating a complex starch and that it's healthy, but it's just understanding that perhaps um, finding ways to eat whole grains and switching um, where we're getting our starch Mm -hmm. so that we feel full and then don't need more and more and more. And that's such a really, really important point because Mm -hmm. when you have sugar, you just want more because it doesn't make you full. No, Actually, let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah. How do you get full? Do you know which macronutrient makes us the most full? Protein, fats, carbohydrates. Exactly. Yeah. So I try to do that at every meal as Mm -hmm. much as I... But, you know, and our breakfast foods, most oftentimes, it's carbs-based, right? Traditionally, Mm -hmm. in in modern culture, like you go to the bakery and get your croissant or muffin or donuts. Yes. Right? Yes. But if you start with eggs... Or having a protein shake, or if you have carbs like an oatmeal, um, oatmeal would, for example, be a maybe healthier choice than a piece of bread, right? Because it has a slower glycemic index; it enters your blood slower, and then add some protein. So perhaps some yogurt if you're not dairy sensitive, and some nuts so to increase your protein. So one of the things I do when I'm really craving sugar. Well, first of all, if I'm before my period, I'll just eat it. But I try to choose something I really enjoy. And it has some kind of relative healthy antioxidant properties like dark chocolate. Right. Mentioned that before. And then I will try to always have a meal first because perhaps I'm hungry. You know, just look at I want chocolate, but is it that I'm just hungry perhaps? And then I'll have a complete meal, make sure I have protein in it, feel full first. And then if I still want it, then I'll have it. Right. That's a great tip. And what I do, I do that, mm-hmm. but I also make sure I hydrate because sometimes there's mixed signals and you're actually yes. dehydrated mm-hmm. and you turn to food instead. Right. Right. Or satisfy with fruit, as you fruit, said, yes. because maybe you're just craving fruits. You haven't had enough fruit for the day. So you just want some sugar. Mm-hmm. So it's getting full on healthy food and then still satisfying the craving if you really want it so that you don't binge. Because that's another you know concept is is that if you really crave sugar and you have insulin resistance, you often do crave yes, of course. sugar and then binge on it. So chewing it mindfully and processing it in a three-minute span rather than, you know, kind of shoveling it. Yes. Because then you're not even processing that you've eaten it. No, you're not processing it. You're not digesting it well. And you'll feel loaded. enjoying it. Yeah. And you're not, yeah, no, not at all. And Mm -hmm. again, it doesn't satisfy you. So you just keep eating more, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you're eating slowly and mindfully, you physically eat less Mm -hmm. and you might have more satisfaction. So again, to recap this, it's... Mm -hmm. Eat slow, choose wisely. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add, make it not so accessible. Yes. Right? 
having healthy options in the house. And if you really enjoy baking, try keto recipes, which are low sugar, high fat filling. And if you don't want keto, then as you said, just, or as we said, eat something that makes you feel full. So you end up eating less and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Just knowing your totals for the day, just a general sense, and then educating your kids. And please share this because I feel like you might already know this, but you might have people in your lives family members, friends that don't have resources, and this may help you educate them without feeling like you're harping on them. (laughs) Right, because we don't want to be a nag. No. And they don't really listen anyway, because you're just, you're, you know, a sister or a a mother or a granddaughter, Mm -hmm. and you're just a pain. So, you know, (laughs) let let the professional do it. That's right. (laughs) Love it. Because then they'll come to us like, oh, it's their own idea. Yes, yes. It's more empowering that way. So Mm -hmm. check that out. So one of the things that we talk about at the end of every episode is how to fill your teacup. And part of the reason we do that is so that we create positive associations, not just around food, but around finding our happiness outside of food. So what did you do this morning to fill up your teacup? Anything? Or recently? doesn't even have to be this morning. Well, I always bring it back to this morning because I was so grateful Mm -hmm. to be able to go out on my own without anyone bugging me. Mm -hmm. And I got to be outside and just really connect with nature. And, you know, sometimes I go for a walk and I listen to podcasts or practice, you know, talking about our podcasts. (laughs) And and, um, but today I thought, you know what? I'm just going to spend a moment and listen and totally be there and present and listen to the sound of the birds, Mm. listening to the leaves uh, rustling in the air. Like it was just a beautiful experience. So that totally filled my teacup, right? Oh, nice. Yeah. How about you? I didn't get out for a walk, but it's so funny that you're talking about being present. I woke up this morning and I was, uh, my daughter had climbed into bed with me and I just lay there and I stared at her and I pet her face and just was super present. And I just had all these like warm feelings and just so grateful for her because as you know, I went through self-fertility and I was just having one of those like gratitude moments and just wanted to be in the moment. Just so grateful for her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. especially, you know, being when present, so great because mm-hmm. often we take our lives for granted and we know both her, both Tanya and I mm-hmm. had long, long um, infertility struggles. Mm-hmm. So we can actually look at our child and say, wow, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, be present. Yeah. So, and for those of you who do not have children and are currently struggling, mm-hmm. just know that oftentimes when you see someone with a child, there might be a story behind their happiness. Mm-hmm. And and look at it as a source of hope rather yes. than personal failure. I agree. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And that is sometimes a challenging thing to do and a great message. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Till next time. Take care. <laughs> 